1: Fans and welcome to another edition of Bucky's Fifth Podcast. As always, Tyler Hunt and Matt Bell's here covering everything Wisconsin athletics. And on today's show, we've got some news to hit on. Um, NCAA practice plan is rolling along. We've got some recruiting updates for uh, a couple commitments, and then we've got some other articles to talk about. And then we're going to do some returner profiles to round of the week. Uh, today's episode might be a little shorter, but it's because uh, we have to move some things around and we've got uh, some big stuff coming uh, for Monday's episode. So make sure you guys tune into that one. I think you'll really enjoy it. Uh, we're excited to drop it for you guys that way. And so this one will be a little shorter, a little bit more laid back, uh, but we promise we'll uh, really bring the thunder and the excitement on Monday afternoon. Matt, how are you doing today?
0: I'm doing great. You
1: know, it's just, uh, it's a. Good day. Uh,
0: You know, I got some ribs cooking, so I'm excited to tear into those later. But um,
1: how are you doing, ma'am? I'm good. I'm good. Those uh, ribs sound delicious. Uh, I actually had a pretty busy day. We actually put a deposit down for uh, a little puppy. So both both of us are doing well, and uh, hopefully, you guys' listeners are as well. Uh, I know. You probably don't care about uh, my puppy and Matt's dinner choices, but it's our podcast, so we're gonna talk about it. Uh, And you guys can choose to listen to it. You gotta listen to the intro for us, anyway. So, um, but yeah, things are going good, man. Things are going good, and uh, I think there's some exciting news to talk about uh, on the uh, on the recruiting front and in the college football front, for sure. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, You want to get into that news of the day?
0: Here's what's happening.
1: All right, guys. Plenty of news to talk about in uh, this episode. First, that we're going to touch on the NCAA approved. We've talked about this a little bit already with the, essentially this practice plan that had been proposed uh, that kind of sets up uh, how the college football preseason will look like in terms of practices and things like that. It must have been two or three episodes ago that we talked about the the plan that had been proposed. Uh, the, the NCAA has now approved that plan, so essentially it's it's all systems go for practice, uh, and they've got a nice setup uh, for guys to, and basically in terms of workouts, hours, things like that. Something that you'd normally kind of have already in place, but with coronavirus it's a little different. But it looks like we, we've got that set and approved by the NCA, so definitely some positive news on that front.
0: Yeah, no doubt. I mean, it looks, it looks great. Um, you know, we, we had talked about this a little bit that it still needed to be, um, completely agreed upon. It just went through. Um, but really it's just guidelines to, to kind of schedule out what the, um, this summer time will look like for teams across the country, um, starting kind of stuff up. In, in July thir- on July 13th to have things full go for when uh, teams play over that Labor day weekend. So it, it's definitely you know baby steps in the right direction at this junction juncture. So it, it's it's definitely positive momentum but it's, it's just one of those things where there's still a lot of moving pieces, but that's definitely a, a good step in the right direction.
1: Yes, most definitely. And anytime you're in, in today's society where you're stepping in the right direction is a good and, and welcome sign. Uh, with everything that's gone on, it's, it's been a hard few months without sports for sure. Uh, I know there's bigger issues in the world, of course, but I think a lot of people are starting to to really feel it and are excited that the potential for a lot of these sporting leads to you know be making their way back and, and college football is going to be just as big a part of that where people are going to be excited to have it. I know Major League Baseball has been kind of kicking themselves uh, over that issue, but thankfully the other sporting leads are starting to work their way back and hopefully college football can kind of get off without a hitch as well so we can uh, get back to what feels like a somewhat normal life. Because I know without sports, everything still feels kind of weird. Um, so to have college football back in a, in a normal way will hopefully help a lot of people out that way. Yeah, uh, I speak- mean, oh, go ahead. I
0: was going to say, like, but even even when things do come back, you know, like in terms of the NBA, that's going to be happening in kind of a snow globe down there in Florida. And then we've got uh, baseball coming back possibly and. Possibly everyone has a universal DH, so things are things are getting weird in 2020, and uh, I think at this point we got to lean into it. You
1: couldn't you couldn't write the script for 2020. <laughs> uh, that's that's for sure. But yeah, gotta go go with it and see what happens, uh, and yeah, it can change probably some more. But hopefully it's uh, changed for the better. Um, it, our next piece of news I found I, I didn't see a lot about. it. I know you came across it on Instagram, uh, and it, it basically was the athletic department put a black W uh, logo patch for the helmets for this upcoming season. Uh, On the back of the helmets, I believe next to the little Wisconsin that you guys see on the back of the helmets will be a a black motion W, basically to stand with uh, the black community and things like that. But do you want to go kind of give some info on the the statement that was put out uh, about those uh, helmet patches?
0: Yeah, I don't know if it's necessarily already been accepted um, or put in in stone, but I know that uh, Fayon Hicks kind of put it out there first today um via Instagram and, and basically saying we uh the current and former athletes at the University of Wisconsin Madison request to adorn our uniforms with a university crest that displays a black W. Um for those of you who, who don't know what we mean by the, the crest, it's it's at the top of the field house there. It's that motion W. Um, you know, I, I've I've got a hat that has that exact W on it, but um they're saying to turn to have that on the helmet and have the actual W there, the black, um, and it is, is a way of, to show solidarity and commitment to the inclusion of, of black and other underrepresented um, students and that their lives matter. We stand with them in the fight of racial equity or equality, inclusion, and justice. We further stand with them against police brutality and systemic racism. Um, and, and this is something that's been put out by a lot of players that have kind of followed suit both current and former. You know, you see James White um, tweeted it out on Twitter. Um, you've got statements being put out there by Joe Thomas, as well as um, Daria Agumboale. So it, it seems like positive momentum and it is on the side of Wisconsin while you're while you're hearing a lot of other programs really struggle um, with uh, some of the societal issues that are going on in our country. It's, it's, it's a positive to see Wisconsin looking to do things that um, will hopefully shed light on on uh, those issues, and hopefully be a, a way to recognize and to stand with um, those we care about.
1: Yeah, and I like that you said that because I think in in so many situations that we've seen across the country, with what's going on in Iowa, what's going on at Oklahoma State, uh, Wisconsin to be in in a, a news light that's positive in that direction is always good because that means you're you're standing with your players, you're doing the right things, you're taking the right steps to uh, make your team united and standing as one uh, to to battle against these these issues that have been plaguing our country for, for far too long. So I think it's a really really cool story. I think it'll be an awesome uh, thing to see this year. And and like you mentioned, you you'd much rather be doing that and and creating positive change than having uh, the negativity announcements like you've seen around uh, Oklahoma State with some issues they've had and and you know Iowa, which we already talked about a little bit last week. So. If you're in the positive light and doing the right things, uh, it's, it's always good to see. And I think Wisconsin always does a good job of that, of, of doing what they can to to stand with their players. And uh, I think this is a step in the right direction, for sure, to help make a change in the world and in the, the college football community, for sure. All right, our next piece of news, some recruiting stuff. Uh, big big announcement yesterday that not necessarily got looked past, but I, I don't know if it's been talked about enough, and that was the recent bumps uh, in terms of stars for two wisconsin recruits in the class of 2021 a couple other guys got bumps as well but riley Mallman and deacon pia hill uh offensive tackle riley Mallman the deacon is a, the quarterback if you don't know already in the class of 2021 both committed uh to the badgers but both getting bumps from three stars to four stars so pretty significant uh news around those two anytime you can get a fourth star uh is is pretty crazy not that it you know, it's it's definitely a big difference in distinction, but uh, very important as well. Uh, so, what did you make of those two? I think both are are very well deserving. I was kind of surprised uh, Riley, especially, was was a three star uh, at all. But what did you make of that announcement?
0: Yeah, I mean, both these guys have been uh, alum of this this podcast. Uh, both really great kids. Um, you know, love UW and and. Uh, are going to be hopefully great prospects at, at Wisconsin. But I think the, the big thing, Mullman, it seemed like just needed to get the further evaluation by rivals. Um, already was, a, a heavily, uh, rated recruit, um, by 247. Those are kind of the primary two recruiting services. ESPN does some sort of semblance of that work, but it's, you know, not quite to snuff as the other two. But, you know, I think, uh, Hill, you know, getting recognized in, in that light by 247 is also big uh he you know he's he's got the physical tools uh and it's it sounds like he he's he's at uh dropped some some pounds as well to go with i mean he's got just the crazy arm talent that can can throw the ball so well and you see a really fluid motion from him so I i think uh you know as a as a former quarterback myself he he is exactly what you'd want in a uh in a starting quarterback, uh, in terms of his build and, and size and arm strength, so uh, I think it's definitely great for those guys, well deserved, and I think it's it's further clarifies that the staff is doing a really good job of identifying kids early, like Hill, uh, like Moman, getting on them, letting them know that they want them on their on their campus quickly, and and securing those commitments, and hopefully uh, they'll be able to hold on to them before we get to uh, the early in signing period.
1: Yeah, most definitely. I mean you talk about it, these, these guys are, are are usually prospect that Wisconsin's get too early. A lot of other teams will, will usually follow suit because they know the the badgers definitely do their homework. They don't go after just every single guy and, and you know, send out some letters and, and put out feelers to certain guys. Wisconsin really does uh do the background, do the deep digging to to find the prospect that they think will fit and that they think want to be at Wisconsin, I think that's why you've seen uh, you know an, an improvement in the recruiting is that they're they're going out they're doing the groundwork to to find these players uh, of course on the field you have to be competitive but Wisconsin's been doing that consistently for a long time and I think that that certainly helps and uh, you know it's it's well deserved for both of these guys Riley uh, when he was on the podcast was very well spoken and uh, you know very very insightful about you know his high school time and the deacon. Uh, if if he doesn't have a career in football, it sounds like he's got a re- uh, career as a coach or a recruit. Because <laughs> I think every po- every prospect that we've had on uh, that kind of talked about which other guy in the class was was after him to get him to Wisconsin. Deacon Pia Hills' always, names always been mentioned, so. Uh, both great kids, and you'll you love to see that they got bumped up. Just uh, for their standpoint, I'm sure they're both very proud of their efforts that they had, and then uh, I'm sure the coaching staff is ecstatic to, to see that you know, more recognition is going to their guys, and now they just have to uh, make sure to keep retaining that talent.
0: Yeah, and I mean you you look at them, they both have traits that, that jump out, which is usually what gives you that four star distinction, which which generally means that you are projected to be an NFL draft pick when you declare. Um, you know, Malman was a multi sport athlete, really talented basketball player. Uh he told us when we were talking to him he's, you know, six eight, six nine instead of that the six seven that he's listed at and, and then you look at Deacon Hill and you know, he's got a, a family lineage of really, really talented uh, athletes you know with with mm-hmm. sisters who play water polo and are exceptionally good at it you know olympic level athletes you you then see kind of the what he brings to the to the football field and wisconsin trusting their evaluation of, of when they saw him early to say hey he hasn't started yet but but you can't deny the talent he has it's it's one of those things where this is kind of what you get so um kudos to the staff for for kind of trusting those evaluations and uh Make it, making it happen. Um, did you catch that Loyal Crawford and Mike Jarvis also received bumps uh, according to the various services as well?
1: Yeah, I did see that those two got a, a slight bump. Did they get bumped up to a full another star, or did they just move up in uh, in the rankings and evaluation?
0: So for Crawford, it, it was a, a slight bump up in terms of, I think he went up uh, a handful of uh, in. in, in comparison to the running backs. I know 247 right. had come out and said they basically just looked top to bottom across their running backs and, and kind of watched film throughout it and and that helped them make those comparisons and, and really did a deep dive that way. So he moved up a few spots that include, include Increased his ranking as well, whereas Mike Jarvis, they they had kind of a placeholder ranking. They just kind of threw a two star on him at Rivals. Uh, that's generally what they do. Kind of similar, probably much of these two in person, just because of everything. I know Loyal uh, had some injury issues when he was a uh, junior last year, but but I think I think. It's just getting a, a more ro- robust time uh, to see these guys um, in film and be able to put in the time to see um, where they went but yeah Jarvis jumped up a full star from a two to a three star according to rivals.
1: That's always awesome news to see any any prospect you know move in that direction is is always always good to see you know Mike Jarvis being one of the more recent recruits I know uh, you know these recruiting evaluators there's a lot of kids out there a lot of talented kids where sometimes you don't get to Put in a full evaluation and, and get a good grasp of these guys. So when you see, I'm sure Wisconsin, you know, in in the mix, that that some recruiting services will pay a little bit closer attention and you know maybe evaluate these guys a little better. And then you see these boosts uh, for both Loyal and Mike Jarvis. So exciting members of this class. And, and once again, I think I feel like a, a broken record, but it just seems like something with this 2021 class is is really exciting. And uh, I'm excited to see what this group can do in terms of the commitments and, and see what else they can land. Cause I know, uh, I know there's a couple still out there and uh, some, some big ones out there that, that they're working on or, or going to have in, in soon. So it's, it's really a, a nice piece of work that this class of 2021 has formed. I'm excited to see what they do on the field. Uh, and speaking of the opposite of commitments, decommitments, I saw you had a interesting article out on Bucky's fifth com guys, if you haven't seen it already, uh, go check it out because I, I think it was a pretty interesting read. But can you maybe fill the listeners on for, in for, if you haven't read it already, what that was kind of about?
0: Yeah, so, I mean, that stems from, uh, you know, Drew had, had kind of said, hey, Did you see um, what somebody had said in in the site wondering about decommitments uh, across the conference after Minnesota had suffered a decommitment um, at quarterback, you know, with Sam Jackson, who was actually decommitted from them twice uh, and recently committed to Purdue during flipping? Uh, You know, I I keep hearing that this is probably going to be one of the more crazy Flip seasons just because of the fact that kids haven't necessarily been able to, to visit campus. And on the other side, coaches haven't been able to see the in-person evaluations ne- nearly as thoroughly throw in that you might not be able to have high school football everywhere in, in the country. And I, I think there's going to be a lot of moving and shifting pieces, hopefully not for the Badgers, but, you know, in looking at uh, recent history, I, I always wanted to look back and see kind of how that happened. Um, I'm looking at the Big Ten West, which is focused just because that's kind of the neighborhood that Wisconsin plays in. Um, We noticed that the big trend was that where there was a lot or a rash of decommitments, it was usually when there was coaching changes. Um, You know, uh, outside of Iowa and Northwestern, every team since 2015, a.k.a. when Paul Chris kind of took over, there's been decommitments, there's been coaching changes as well. So Wisconsin had 10 in 2015. Um, a lot of that due to academic stuff. Um, you know, I, I know Jordan Stevenson was right down to the wire, was denied admissions. You know, Sam Madden had some um, admission stuff as well. Um, but then you had a lot of players who, who followed uh, a guy, different people on the coaching staff when there was shifts. Um, you know, Ilu Adon went to Oregon State, whereas you had guys like um, – like TJ Griffin and um, Dominic Shepard go to Virginia with uh, David Beatty. So Wisconsin saw a rash of the commitments that year that it, that it kind of went through, both because kids wanted different fits. Um, they didn't know the staff. They weren't recruited by them. But it was also like um, Paul Chris kind of cut some guys too. I, I, I think it doesn't take a lot to see that a guy like Brandon Lee, who eventually signed with UC Davis, just kind of wasn't up to par with what the staff was looking for Um, but really Wisconsin in terms of who they've lost there hasn't been like huge waves like you know Antonio Williams was a circus but um, the Badgers overall haven't been hit too hard by it I think Ben Bryant's actually going to be a decent quarterback at Cincinnati potentially um, if he gets a chance to to have a bigger role there but um, in looking at it another big trend outside of that when coaching changes happen was just how Northwestern uh, is really keeps that down just simply because they have their no visit policy. Um, you know, they only had five decommitments since 2015, which is which is pretty wild. Um, most of those decommitments were higher rated kids, uh, similar to Iowa. Iowa had um, didn't have that many. Um, I think they had 12, um, but but then you look at who they lost, and they lost a guy like Eno Benjamin, who. Was a prolific running back for Arizona State and winning the NFL draft. So it's, it's one of those things where it's, it's really, it's been, it was a fascinating thing to look at. And, um, outside of those trends, the last big one was that Minnesota just, it's, it's everywhere and they've had some turmoil there with coaching changes, but, um, you know, they've, they've consistently had, uh, seven, at least seven since 2016, which is a lot. And so they had 48, whereas the next highest was 19.
1: Oof, that, that is not something you want to hear, you know, in regards to your recruiting plan. And, of course, you like you said, I think in college football especially, stability is, is the biggest thing. There's always going to be commitments if there's if there's some sort of scheme that maybe you didn't fit or, or maybe you just had a change of heart. That stuff happens. But when you're consistently changing your model and, and having different different schemes and coaches coming in, it's, it's hard to retain the classes that you have because – you know, certain kids come in, they buy into, you know, for, for our example, Paul Chris' example, they know what they're going to get when they come to Wisconsin because they've had a pretty good model of consistently, you know, consistency since Paul Chris took over in 2015. And, and it's been pretty much, I know there's been changes on the defensive side of the ball, but since Jim Leonard has really taken over, I think the defensive side of the ball has been even better uh, in terms of recruiting that way as well. So, as long as uh, there's not you know, many rocks in the ship and, and a lot of changes in uh, that way, it usually helps. And when you see you know, the Minnesotas of the world that have some instability, some changing in coaches, some off-the-field issues, that makes a, a really big impact on what these guys are doing and, and the decisions that they're making.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's a lot of different reasons that go into a guy switching their commitments. But Wisconsin, for the most part, has done a pretty good job of navigating those waters and, and not having a, a crazy amount of them during this time. You know, who knows what the future unfolds or how the future unfolds here, um, given the kind of all the – craziness going on with in the 2021 class uh as a whole but at the same time as as things stand i think wisconsin's in a really good spot with with their class to not have uh, a huge crazy abundance of them
1: most definitely we can uh, certainly hope for that uh, as this class continues to form and uh, have some more additions later on here hopefully and and land some more guys so all right, I think that wraps up our news of the day. Do you want to go ahead and kick it? We'll kick it to a couple quick ad reads, and then we'll get into our returner profiles. All right, guys, we're going to continue on with the returning profiles. Uh, like we said, we've got some big news coming on Monday. Um, but for now, we're going to get through some of these, and there's some important players to talk about. Uh, and the first one that we're going to discuss is everybody's favorite, Graham Mertz, uh, coming back for his what will be his registered freshman season uh very small sample size last year uh but look good in those small sample sizes and I think uh anyone who's been around the program they've they've known that the progression from early in the year you know you went to a lot of practices last fall uh the one that I went to you could definitely tell that he was a a freshman still learning the plays missing some throws but it sounds like progression really happened over the course of the season and i know uh late in the season with uh you know the, the roles while coming on they felt comfortable that if Graham Mertz had to come in and and make some plays that they could do that so definitely progression and a solid year one to year two but what do you make of Graham Mertz as he comes back uh next season
0: yeah I mean you saw some some definite growth from him you know we in in fall camp at the beginning you could just you kind of saw that he, everything was going real fast for him but then as uh the the fall kind of progressed, you could see. I, I like um, what Jack Cohn brings to the table as well. So I think it's Jack Cohn's job to to have this year, but I think Graham Mertz is your definitive backup, and, and I really would be surprised if the Badgers didn't do their best um, to get him on the field in some capacity at times because – he is the guy that they're probably leaning towards um, taking over the reins come uh, the following season. So I think Graham Mertz, uber talented, uh, got everything you want in a, in a quarterback. It, it's just a matter of at this point, Jack Cohn, it's, it's his job in my eyes right now. And um, I know a lot of people don't want to hear that, but just because of everything that's happening uh, in terms of the pandemic, We've talked to Jack Dunn and we've talked to Adam Crumholtz, two guys who are in that locker room. Um, we talked to um, David Mormon, a guy who was in that locker room last year, and, and they made it sound pretty pretty ironclad that it's probably going to be Jack Cohn. And so I think Graham Mertz is going to have a phenomenal future, and it doesn't diminish how talented he is, but it's, it's probably Jack Cohn season next year. But Graham Mertz will have a shot um, at times next year as well as uh, in the future.
1: Yeah, I definitely think we'll see some of, of more, uh, most definitely, uh, from Graham this upcoming season. You think about uh, t- only 10 pass attempts last season, uh, that Central Michigan game, and uh, worked into another couple games. It wasn't wasn't a lot, but definitely uh, enough to show some promise and some excitement. Uh, but you can't take away anything from Jack Cohn. I think uh, that when you look at a fair assessment, he had a really good season last year. And coming into this year with everything that's going on, I'd have to agree with you. I think it's Jack Cohn season. Uh, and if you have to go to Graham Mertz in, in some sort of backup role, I, I think Badger fans not only, of course, you're excited to see a highly recruited prospect on the field like that, but at the same time you feel comfortable uh, with both of them. It's never a bad problem to have uh, two quarterback options uh, if something happens, I and mean, even even third string. You know, I wrote my uh, returner profile on Chase Wolf. He's <laughs> a pretty solid quarterback that you feel comfortable th- with. So. To have both of those guys, I think, firmly in the one-two spot to be able to come in and, and win you football games is good. But at the same time, Jack Cohen, is, as a senior, he's experienced. I think he's going to be the guy. But Jam Graham merch certainly uh, developed last year, and I think that was the important part. I remember in fall camp he kind of talked about that he, he was trying to pick up a lot of different things, learn the offense, learn the playbooks. So the last year definitely benefited him, and I'm sure – this year, in a maybe bigger role, it will still definitely benefit him as well. All right, our next guy that we're going to touch on, uh, a guy that had an incredible season last year, 80 total tackles, uh, 50 solo tackles at five and a half sacks, and that's Jack Sanborn. Going to come back and, and really be one of the, the the key pieces to this defense when you look at what's coming back. Of course, the departure of Chris Orr and Zach Vaughn means Jack Sanborn's going to kind of be the focus. Uh, on that defensive side of the football. Had a phenomenal season, actually just was named to the uh, Lot Impact uh, Trophy Watch List. So a lot of people have taken notice to what he did last year, but what do you make of Jack Sanborn as he enters this season?
0: Yeah, I mean, dude's a stud. Like, there's, there's, there's not much that you really need to, to dive into about him. Uh, he, he's a guy that I think is the most talented um, player on the defense uh, next year. I think there's a lot of really good players. But but I think in terms of what he brings to the team, he, he's a difference maker. You saw him lead the team in tackles last year. He had five-and-a-half sacks last year, which was which was uh, good for third on the team. Um, I, I anticipate that he has numbers um, in the tackles for loss and sacks that are more similar to where Orr was last year in, near the 10 range. Um, you know, you also saw three interceptions from him, a force fumble, a fumble recovery. So, he, he's a splash player. He's going to be one of the leaders of the defense. Um, and, I mean, he, there's a reason that he's on the Wisconsin edition of the Athlon Sports Magazine. Like, he is the, the face of this defense in a lot of ways. Um, a prototypical linebacker. Um, you know, big, fast, physical. Um, you know, he's a, he's a track and trace type of guy that he, uh, you know, he track them and smack them is is kind of what he does and he's i think he's he's a guy that is was underappreciated at times last year um and, and really I think he could be even in in for bigger things next year
1: yeah I mean when you think about uh, a guy like him uh, he always kind of reminded me of of Mike Taylor at UW where just kind of showed up uh, you know would would record ten tackles to go about his business and go home and similar to like a ryan Connolly just a guy that it comes in, does his job. Jack Sanborn maybe doesn't get enough credit for, for what he did on the field last year. And I think that this upcoming year you're gonna really take notice. If you haven't already, or maybe you're sleeping under a rock. But Jack Sanborn's definitely gonna be a guy that, that, that people look to and uh, there's there's a lot of excitement growing around him uh for what he can do on the field at, at that linebacker position special. Not only in the tackle, you know, he can he can play the the passive as you talked about the interceptions, so uh, a really solid player that the Badgers are going to lean on heavily this uh, upcoming year, and hopefully more people have taken notice of him. I know uh, Athlon Sports uh, certainly taken notice, like you mentioned, with the cover. I actually got my uh, copy in the mail today, so excited about that. But uh, Jack and like you said, uh, a total stud, uh, a guy that the Badger fans are, are going to hear a lot of from next year, if you haven't already. All right, our next guy, a guy that we actually had on the show just recently. Uh, and Adam Crumholes, an excellent interview. If for some reason you guys have missed that, go back and listen to it. I believe it was last Friday's episode. Uh, a lot of fun chatting with him. Uh, and he talked about the receiver room a lot, about what was uh, coming back for the Badgers. You know, of course, Quintez Cephas is gone, uh, but Danny Davis, Kendrick Pryor himself, Jack Dunn, some other guys all in the mix to, to try and make up for those two departures with Cephas and, and A.J. Taylor, so what do you make of Adam Crumholtz? of course, uh, a very valuable special guy, special teams guy, but certainly might have a chance to make an impact, uh, you know, on the offensive side of the football this year?
0: Yeah, I mean, he did a really good job as a gunner in, in punt coverage. I thought that he was pretty good at that. Um, but in in terms of the offense, I, I think he will have a, a space in the offense. I'm not anticipating that he's going to catch for 400 yards or anything like that. But I, I do think that he he's got a a good physical ability to catch balls in traffic. We've seen uh, in fall camp last year when he when the ball's thrown up to him, he can make plays on it. He's he's got good size at 6'1. Um, he, he's you know which is a little bit bigger than any of the other four main receivers that are out there. Definitely towers over but I, I think he's a guy that uh, can be used. He's very, very good at, at blocking, and the Badgers use him a lot for that. So I anticipate he'll, he'll see his reps. Um, he, he's going to be, you know, your prototypical um, walk-on who, who doesn't necessarily make crazy plays all throughout his career, but, you know, you look at... Fitzgerald senior coming out, um, you know, he's he's 22, 23 years old and and ready to to kind of make an impact uh, in in multiple facets of the game. So I think good things are on the horizon for him. I wouldn't be surprised to see him reel in, you know, 10 plus catches and have a, a pretty solid year um, as as a, uh, a a guy in the rotation in that wide receiver room.
1: Yeah, I would agree with you. He's going to be a guy that uh, you, Wisconsin. To to compete the way they have for years, you're going to need guys like Adam Crumholz that are walk-ons that do make an impact. Maybe it's not you know your prototypical walk-on like some of the some of the of course huge success stories that you've heard from from time to time, but you still need guys that are going to come in and and be okay in the role they're in and do the job that they've they've got. I think Adam Crumholz is a guy that can certainly do that, but also do a lot more. You know he's got good speed, good athleticism, and, and can be a real Blue guy for the Badgers in that receiving core, where maybe uh, you're looking for a spark, or you're looking for a guy that can can work in here, knows the offense. There's that you can maybe relax a little bit. Adam Crumholtz, similar to Jack Dunn, can kind of be that guy. They're experienced guys that have have been through uh, uh, you know an off season and and a full football season, which is definitely something that the Badgers will need with such a, a weird season coming up this year uh, in terms of the coronavirus, in terms of no spring practice, things like that. Uh, maybe you rely a little more on guys that are experienced. So I'm excited to see what Adam can do uh, this season. I think he'll certainly be worked into the fold a little bit more than we've seen him in the past.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I think a good comparison for him is going to be Jeff Duckworth. Anybody yeah. who remembers kind of that yeah. 20, the 2010 to 2013 teams, you know, he, he played. Uh, you know, he didn't do much his first year as a freshman, but then he he caught, you know, anywhere between 9 and 15 balls in 2011 through 2013, and you know, I look at his senior year. He had 12 receptions, 176 yards, two touchdowns. If if Adam Crumholtz gets you that, or maybe um, where he where um, Duckworth was his sophomore year with 15 catches for 230, you're you're in business. You're happy with that. You take that to the bank all day. I think um, you know you're having that out of your fourth you know wide receiver. You're you're pretty pretty damn happy. I think.
1: Oh, yeah, most definitely. I think that's going to be a, an exciting group to watch, and, and Adam Cromwell will certainly be a part of it. All right, the next player that we're going to talk about, another guy that really didn't see a, a lot of the field last year, only recorded two tackles, and that's outside linebacker Jalen Franklin. But coming into this year, uh, of course, we've talked about the outside linebacker position a, a couple times already with some other guys, uh, and Isaiah May, but you look at the outside linebacker position, Jalen Franklin, there's going to be one spot out there where maybe he could compete with a guy like Isaiah Green May uh, coming back. Kind of similar guys, you know, lengthy guys. Uh, I know putting on weight was, was kind of their main focus early on in their career. Uh, but what do you make of Jalen Franklin as he comes back, and, and how much do you see him maybe uh, hitting the field in 2020?
0: I think he'll definitely see the field. Um you know, I'm not going to go and, and say that he's going to be the outright starter over Isaiah Green May or anybody else really in that room just because there are so many talented options. You know, uh you got Herbig coming in, you've got Spencer Weidel. Um there's there's a lot of guys. I anticipate that they're going to use uh the kitchen cabinet on on teams using the different skills that these guys have. But but Franklin's a kid that when I interviewed Bobby April last year, he he really loved uh Franklin and what he brought to the table in terms of his athleticism and his what he called twitchiness. Just I mean the kid can really bend. He can really run. He can I mean you you can see him in special teams running down the field and and the kid can fly for you know six four two thirty you know so uh, or two twenty somewhere in there right now. I would anticipate he's closer to two thirty now, but. Um, you know, I think I think he's a kid that it it all depends on the work he put in this this offseason and kind of how it compares to where he's at compared to the other players in that room because he's got the he's got the skills, he's got the traits that you want at at a, as a rush outside linebacker. Um, you know, I don't think they would be asking him to drop in coverage as much because that's not necessarily his game, but if he's going to be a guy that you're going to bring in and pass rushing Situations, the way he blew around that, uh, South Florida right tackle was just a thing of beauty. I mean, you could, you couldn't write a better, um, script for how you do it. And I think he, he's a kid who, you know, he's got a lot of football still ahead of him. And I'm excited to see kind of how that room looks because. It's not just that they're losing Zach Vaughn. They're also losing Tyler Johnson, who saw a lot of time uh, in that rotation. And you, you're losing a guy like Christian Bell. So there's a lot of snaps up for grabs, and I don't think it's just going to be one guy who's dominating them all. And I think that plays into Franklin's benefit.
1: Yeah, most definitely. You look at that outside, back, outside linebacker room, you know, you're going to need guys that are fresh that you can rotate in. And I think Jalen Franklin can certainly – use his skill set that he's got uh, and, and work his way into the fold. Jim Leonard is always looking to play his best 11 guys, but he knows that he has to rotate in guys, and he, he's got to trust you know, 15, 16 guys, depending on the, the positions that way. So certainly uh, a strong candidate to maybe make an impact, in, and who knows, that outside linebacker position is one that's going to be a, a contentious battle to watch for, and Jalen Franklin will certainly be in the mix. All right, our final player profile for today is... Uh, the next great Wisconsin lineman in terms of just stud, uh, kind of an NFL prospect already, and that's uh, Cole Van Lannon, a kid that's coming back, had a, had a really good year last year, uh, but wanted to come back this next season and, and really prove himself. So what do you make of Cole Van Lannen, uh as he enters this 2020 season?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think he's, he's probably the most established offensive lineman that the Badgers have coming back. I mean, you could make an argument for Logan Brust as well, just because they both played a lot of football but um Van Lannon's really good uh as a run blocker still working on on some of the the finer things with uh footwork for for pass blocking but i mean outside of having to block uh you know some of the cra- crazy guys that are across from him in this league last year he played really well you know i think the badgers are in a really good place uh, across the offensive line assuming that uh things come together for them um but at the same time, I think he's, he's a really good player, should get drafted uh, after this season. Um, but, um, but we'll just see. I think, I think uh, you know, outside of that game against Chase Young, where Chase Young just continued to show why he was a top three pick, um, he, he played really, really well, and he was also battling some injuries. So I think he, he's a guy who's really, really talented, and he's just the next Wisconsin offensive lineman that's going to go on and hopefully have success in the league.
1: Most definitely the next in a long line of hopefully successful guys uh, that way. So excited to see what Cole Van Landen can bring to the table this year. Going to be a key piece on that offensive line that uh, has lost some guys, but they're now going to lean on some guys that have played a lot, like uh, Van Landen and Brust that way. So exciting group. You know, All five of these guys, I expect to see at least some uh, contributions on, on the field that way. Uh, All right, I think that's the last of our returner profiles. Anything else you want to hit on before we wrap up the the week of the podcast?
0: No, that should do it. But make sure you guys check out what we have in store on Monday. Uh, I think you'll really like it, pretty cool um, stuff happening. So uh, have a great weekend, Tyler.
1: Yeah, you too. And uh, thank you guys, as always, for listening. As Matt said, uh, stay tuned for some uh, exciting stuff Monday afternoon. And uh, we'll be back with you next week. And as always, on Wisconsin. Thank you.